Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome a friend uh, to the show, J.M. Wilkie. J.M., welcome. Hello. How's it going? It's going very well. Today, our topic is going to be all about optimizing sales operations. And we'll talk about a few different projects that uh, J.M. has done over at Qualia, where she is the head of sales operations. And I'll obviously share some, some of the projects I've worked on here at SalesLoft. Qualia, if you are not familiar with them, maybe because you're not in the real estate industry, but they are a real estate transaction management platform, mainly used by title companies and attorneys. Just by way of reference, about 15% of all US real estate transactions actually flow through their platform. So let's before we get into our topic, JM, I would love to ask you, what's one of your favorite sales books of all time and maybe one or two of the key takeaways you got from the book? Yeah, so one of my favorite sales books is actually not really a sales book, but it's actually about process. The story of Amazon, which is the everything store book. Um, And why I like it for sales is it really shows the perseverance and how important process is in building something great. And if you follow the process and go through all of the different steps and continue to repeat them and are super driven, then you'll succeed. Yeah, no one has brought that book up. It is absolutely one of my favorite books. I read that one back to back with Sam Walton's autobiography, Made in America. Mm. One of the things I was intrigued by is that Amazon and Walmart have these almost diametrically opposed innovation strategies where Amazon tends to be a first mover. Walmart, from early on in its inception, was unabashedly a fast follower. And, you know, yet both companies have managed to build incredible empires. So yeah, really, really great book. Let's transition over to topic for the day, which is all about optimizing sales operations. And JM and I were chatting just before we started to figure out a couple of projects that we've worked on. And I figured JM will start with one of yours, which is revamping your your enterprise sales team. So share a little bit about what the impetus was for, for that. And then, and then we can get a deep dive into kind of how you went about it and what others who want to do the same thing might need to do in the process. Yeah. So being a startup, right, you you don't typically start out with, hey, we have an enterprise sales team, we have an SMB team, we have a big market team. You kind of just do free for all. And so that was how we did it. We're trying to land and expand, get as many counts as possible. And as we continue to mature, as all good businesses do, we said, hey, guess what? We see a big opportunity here. There's a lot of people that are actually, that are these bigger companies people work the deals differently. We need a different skill set. And so we took our best reps and had them start working them. Now, while that can be great, there were obviously some learnings that we had along the way. We kind of just threw them in there. There wasn't a ton of process in there when we initially launched. And so we were really building it as we understood who these accounts are, how do they work? Um, Because the title industry, real estate attorney industry are definitely different than what you're going to have in, let's say, you know, a company like SalesLoft, right? The customers that you're going after are just going to look different. The way they build out their companies are going to be different. So we said, hey, what we're going to do is this is not really working very well. Um, we're not closing a, a high percentage of these. 
Um, and we really need a dedicated team that can become experts. We need a marketing team that become experts. And we really become kind of this one unit where we really can have that kind of one-to-one uh, markets with these folks. And so we decided, let's take the process that we have and make it better. And so we took all of the best parts of it and all of the learnings from the reps that were really those guinea pigs that that did a lot of great work on it and then applied it to a new process and put a lot more structure in place to really help actually be able to scale the team to what it is today. Can you share a little bit about how sales and marketing had to come together and then what other teams besides sales and marketing were were involved as you as you fleshed out the the enterprise team? The way we kind of think about it and something I'm extremely passionate about is there's one customer journey, right? So it's not like all of a sudden, boom, somebody closes a deal, we get their money, and then they're a customer. That person is a customer, they're a prospect way long before we even start interacting with them. It's when in the conversations they're having out in conferences and things like that. So that's why we are so strong with how much we involve our marketing team and how integrated they are and how they really kind of work as one team with the sales team. And then also, you know, going to that onboarding team that we have, that customer success team. And we're not perfect at all of this, but it's a matter of how do we constantly just integrate those teams better to have that constant feedback loop? And then also with the product teams, right? So it's really an entire company-wide directive, right? Where we're just trying to continue to work better, give more feedback, make the improvements, get it to marketing, get them to send it out, and then the sales team trained and all of that kind of stuff. So it's really just that constant loop back and forth and back and forth. You took some of your your top salespeople, your most seasoned salespeople, and move them into enterprise roles. As time has evolved, you know, where has your thinking evolved on whether sort of up through the ranks into enterprise sales or hiring external is the best approach? I think it depends, really. We still have some of those reps that were amazing at being our top reps, and then we we moved them over into some of these enterprise deals, um, and they're still successful. But overall, I think you do need that skill set of working these deals. My husband, I know, went into outside enterprise sales and was previously in an inside sales role. And so just watching even him too, the transition and how different and the procurement and all of the different ways that you need to talk to people and all of the different people you need to talk to, it really is a skill set that it's easier to find somebody that has more of that experience when you have less time to kind of train. Getting a little bit more into the sales operations side, did you have to change or allow for a different sales process or methodology on the enterprise side than you have in in SMB or mid-market? Yes and no. So I am pretty big on as much as you can keep the same core process across all the business units. So no matter what, whether it's building a new more transactional business unit like we recently did, or it's rebuilding this enterprise unit or revamping the SMB, having a a similar process. And so we've changed it, but it's just really adding tweaks. It can allow one for easier reporting, right? So people across all business units, right? How often do you have it where somebody in uh, one department says, hey, I pulled this report and there's this thing that's really missing. You're like, well, it's because the report isn't 
correct, right? And it makes it really confusing when you have, you know, five business units that are all pulling something in a different way. So the more that we can keep things like that consistent and the process as consistent as possible, the better. Now, they do have obviously different stages and and things like that based on the actual sales process. But overall, it's pretty similar at the core. And then just adding those couple little bells and whistles that relate especially to the enterprise and then making the tweaks as we go along, right? And as we learn, continue to learn more about it from these outside hires and things like that. You know, when you're working a project like you're revamping the enterprise team, what are the project management approaches that you turn to? Do you How formal do you get in project management? I am not the biggest fan of getting super formal. I don't have any of those, you know, fancy certifications and things. I don't even know if it's good to be saying this about it, but in terms of of thinking of how to best manage the projects, right? So there's obviously things like Asana, which are super helpful and those standard project management tools, Slack obviously being a big piece to it. But for me too, it's about those daily and weekly check-ins, which to me are even more valuable than having kind of your, your, you obviously have your project core project list, which is extremely important on that, you know, Asana or things like that. And then having those weekly check-ins to really truly progress the projects along with the help of other people too. I'd also love to ask you if you had, um, you know, or maybe a recent experience where you were trying to optimize performance. Yeah, so there's a few different things that I think we we've recently done to look at. So we have a rep efficiency calculator that we look at the last 90 days. So how are they doing on email reply rates? How many accounts are they touching? Um, what's the connect rate? How many meetings are they booking on their calendar? Do they have more meetings booked in the future? Right. So kind of looking at does their velocity in the past kind of mirror what's that in the future? Activities overall, pipeline generated, just kind of those standard things. But I think one of the ones that we've recently really started diving into is where we looked at all of the different reps, saw, you know, what are the commonalities in the high performers, the low performers? So not only taking that rep efficiency data, but also taking various analysis that we did from there and what are they exactly saying on their demos. So looking at who has the highest conversion rates of set to one and then saying, all right, so these reps have the best conversion rate here. Now, what do their demos sound like, right? Why are they converting more of their demos in a shorter amount of time? And so what we were able to do was say, We have all of these different things that they're saying. This is when they're saying them in the demo. This is how they're talking about these certain things. And what we realized is they were not talking about all of these little things that our product offered, which some of the newer reps just kind of feature dumped. And so we really were able to change how we talked in our demos. We were able to add in additional training. We were able to add in additional demos that they can do on the really complex stuff so it doesn't overwhelm them on the first time and really make a solid change to improve that you know, set to one conversion rate. So you say that the, the less successful reps were more feature dumping and the mm-hmm. more successful ones would identify like, here's the one use case that particularly matters to the prospect and I'm just going to walk them through essentially the story of how Qualia can help them solve that particular pain. Yeah, so sort of. They'll still say 
some of these other, you know, smaller things that we offer, but they won't talk about it for, you know, let's say on average, some people were talking about some things that, you know, aren't super important for two minutes because people get excited about it. So you want to talk about it, but it really confuses people when you have, you know, like you said, those bigger things that people actually, you know, matter and how, what really changes the business and what, what makes people want to switch. I just reminded me of this uh, keynote that Danny Meyer gave at a sales loft conference a few years ago. He relays this cheese plate story where when he first opened one of uh, his restaurants, you know, they trained all the waiters and waitresses to describe all the cheeses that were on the cheese plate. And they were very proud of their fancy cheeses. And one time this waiter went on for a while describing the cheese plate to the customer. And, and after the meal, Danny Meyer walked up to the the guest. I think he had known the guest and said, what did you think of the experience of the meal and so on? He said, like, the food was great. Uh, service is great. Like, my one complaint was I don't really care about cheese. I didn't need to hear about cheese for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like cheese. <laughs> I mean, the point is, is that uh, hearing a bunch of features that are not contextually relevant to you just, just don't help. And less is definitely more when it comes to engaging your prospects. Yeah. And splitting it up too, right? So on these super complex topics where people are going to have a lot of question and they're really game changing in your business is not just trying to all do it on the initial demo, but setting a separate, you know, 20 minute demo where you can just walk through that. So they truly understand how much it can make a difference. On a very tactical side, like with that particular study that you did where you listened to the gong recordings and and Mm -hmm. discovered what people were doing, who actually did that? Like who actually did that work? Because it's a lot of work to listen to those calls. Yeah, so I did it. Gong actually has a feature where they, you can just say, I want to analyze X types of calls. And so I would say, you know, set to held and then held to one and then see what they're talking about and when um, and calls of a certain length and that kind of thing. And so it'll aggregate everything for you and just say of these, hundred calls that this rep did, here's, you know, the average for them. And then you can pull the analysis in in different ways. So you're not just looking at just the one and making an assumption, but you can look at it there. Then I would go and kind of listen in on some of the calls and say, all right, so yeah, that does back it up. That is when they said it. These are examples of the calls. Um, It is super time consuming, but super worth it and super effective. Once you kind of learn this insight, how did you go about training all the reps to sell that way? Yeah, so I feel pretty lucky. Our leadership team is extremely supportive and we're really all really close. And so what I did was I had been talking to them about it, kind of getting their buy-in individually, getting buy-in, you know, as a as a team. Um, getting their feedback too on things, um, sending them examples. Um, and so that I think was a really important part. So when we were ready to to kind of roll it out and send it to them, set a meeting with them and they were able to say, all right, so let's make XYZ tweak. This is super helpful. Um, and then they rolled it out in a few different trainings for the team. Then obviously we can see and kind of back it up by looking you know, at the data after a month's time and seeing how that does influence it. But I just honestly feel lucky because I do have a really supportive team that just takes the reins on a lot of that. <laughs> was that the first line managers or was that your sales enablement team or some combination? The first line managers uh, do take the reins on that. Um, and our our VP as well is is very supportive on, on all that too. So he can 
they'll kick it off and then the frontline managers will, will really give it some life. Yeah. I mean, not to be missed, you just hit at two critical points about change management and and optimizing anything, especially sales process. One is engage people early, right? As if you had sort of done this project and then dropped it on the managers all wrapped up in a nice bow. The amateur me, I guess, would have would have thought that was the best way to do things. But I learned the hard way earlier in my career that you're way, way better bringing people onto the bus as advisors early so yeah. that they are a part of, of creating the solution. So I think that's incredibly important sort of optimization tip one. And then the other thing that's embedded in you know what you said was another lesson I learned, but it wasn't the hard way because we had, we had known this uh, when I was working at Gartner that all success and failure in sales rides really on the backs of the first line sales managers. Mm-hmm. And if they buy in to something and they believe it will happen, <laughs> If they don't buy in and if they don't believe, then they will intentionally or unintentionally torpedo every effort to change things that they must believe. And obviously, the change that you're pressing must be in their benefit as well. Yeah, I mean, that's our job is to help them to help their teams and help their teams to sell more, right? We're not just here for the reps. We're here for the the managers, too, is an equal part of, of our job. If people want to learn more about Qualia and or get in touch with you, what are the best ways to do that? Yeah. So feel free to shoot me an email. My email is really difficult. It's just jm at qualia, Q-U-A-L-I-A.com. Feel free to reach out anytime. Would love to chat. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.